Hello there. Welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where we are making good life choices for because we want to live to be 103. I'm Patrick <laughs> Mathers, pastor for you and me. I just tried to rhyme there. I couldn't. There was this old cartoon. I'm going to interrupt you for a second. That's fine. It was when I was a kid and you'd have like rainy day. You'd go watch movies in the auditorium when I was a kid in the 70s. And there was this thing where it's Jimmy Cricket. And he said, hi, I play safe for you and me because I'm no fool. And then it showed like a guy who's like sawing with a buzzsaw and his arms across the piece of wood and he's about to saw it off. And then there's a guy with safety goggles and like, you know, all the right safety get up. And so he played safe because he's going to live to be 103. And I'm Brian Gumby, <laughs> Elder Sovereign Joy Christian <laughs> Fellowship. Hey, so the other I'm going to live to be 104 just to stick it to Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> yeah, you'll stick it to me too because I'm only going to live to be 103, I guess. <laughs> I Probably because you can chop your arm off when I, you're 103. <laughs> That's when you lose your ability to put on the proper PPE. And then all of a sudden you lose your mind and start hacking off limbs, apparently. PPE? Personal protective equipment. Oh, I thought it was PPG, personal protective gear. No. Okay. Hey, so the other night we're at the Bible study at the old brewery, mm-hmm. the Secret Trail. Ye old. Why isn't brewery. it called The Secret Trail instead of just Secret Trail? I'm going to ask Charlie that. Because I like The Secret Trail, because there's no other. Why isn't it Anyways. called The Sierra Nevada Brewery? Yeah, they should all have that. Yes, I agree. They should all be called The. The Ninkasi. The, yep, yep. I'm okay with that. The Track 7. Yep. The Knee Deep. Yep, yep. I'm okay with all that. The Deschutes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so. because you, you're from Southern California. You, uh, I didn't think of that until you said it. Thanks for that. <laughs> I think it should be called I Secret Trail. <laughs> the other night you said, hey, uh, I forget who was talking. Well, I was talking. I don't forget that because that's the most important thing. But I was talking and somebody said to you, hey, he didn't even answer your question. And you said, oh, it's okay. I speak fluent Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, I, And I remember... Okay. That wasn't even a joke. I was tra- totally tracking with you. Yeah, I know you are. Boy, what? but people don't sometimes, I think, maybe? Cause, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah? So tell me about that, because I need to be educated. And maybe people on the show do, since they listen to me talk. I think if you listen to the show with any level of frequency, then you're probably going to be pretty good at it. Although, yeah. the people sitting at that table, I'm trying to remember who it was. I know some listen more than others. Anyway... I don't remember who said it, but I remember you saying, I speak fluent pat. That's what I remember. I think you say non-words, mm-hmm. and when you string three or four together, <laughs> people are trying, they get fixated on what, what that word means. The first one. Yeah. Yeah. And they can't keep up after that because it's just this loop of, what does that word mean? What does that word mean? Oh, and then what does that second one mean? What does that second one And then they've lost your train of thought. And I'm eight sentences down the road yeah. and three topics down the road. It's like on when your grandma or your, or your mom posts something on Facebook, and it's like one of those things where they every other letter is an X or a number <laughs> or something, and they're like, isn't it amazing how the human brain works and you can read this yeah, anyway? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's me? That's me listening to you. <laughs> Like, I just ignore the X's and the numbers, and I can just pick it up based on the other words, and, like, it makes sense to me. There I get you go. it. 
You know what it is? It's when um, I I don't have like a focused topic. Like if my mind is focused and I'm like I'm when I'm preaching, I don't do this nearly as much. No, it's when we're just sitting around jabber jawing and people are asking questions and I have to kind of talk from yeah the yeah that that I start. Not making sense. Well, and you won't sit there like I do and think, oh, what's that word? What's that <laughs> word? You won't ever. Yeah. You just say, yeah, and then and the diddly bop whammy will will hit you in the in the who's a what's it, and then 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 you get got, and then that's for come why you got a big big bad headache. And Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay, well, nobody's ever said that I'm articulate, so... <laughs> Erudite, perhaps? <laughs> I don't know what that word means, but I'm going to put it in my... I'm going to put it in my queue now. Er- so erudite? It. It's, it starts with an E. You yeah. wouldn't think it would. It's erudite. Is that when you can jump real high? It's when you know lots of words. Oh, that's me. You're well-spoken. Like, you have I, a good vocabulary. No, nobody says that about me. Hmm. Maybe jokingly. You're really erudite. <laughs> See, I did it right there. Yeah. But normally I would just keep going. Like I wouldn't even pause to acknowledge that I just screwed a word up. Yeah. No. No, yeah. not typically. Yeah. There was a gal years ago at a church and she was keeping a list of all the I heard about this when words. I first started here and I was thinking, how much did you screw up in a sermon? Well, it wasn't just sermon. I I mean I Sorry, I interrupted you. Now nobody else knows out, what you're talking the about. The one that comes out in my mind is adulteration. <laughs> like instead of adultery and fornication, I just shoved two words, those two words together, and said like George W. Bush. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, that's my patron saint. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> not not literally, folks. Please, <laughs> no, write me. Yeah, tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> yes, you won't. <laughs> oh, I wish we could laugh longer because what we're gonna talk about is no laughing matter. Ah. That was fun while it lasted. Dude, people suck. Yeah, we could ease. Yeah, we could have an, an explicit on this one. People suck, dude. Easily. Oh, it makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. So we're, we're the Houston Chronicle last weekend uh, dropped an article, and then they had two more since then that... Um, it's 20 years of investigative reporting that um, explode. Really, the SBC, which if you don't know and you listen to this, is the Southern Baptist Convention, and it is the largest Protestant denomination in America. And we, Sovereign Joy Christian Fellowship, are a part of that denomination. Now, the reason why... We want to address it is because we are a part of that denomination, and we're uh, appalled is not is not even a strong enough word for what we've seen happen and the the stories that are coming out, and more and more and more every day about sexual abuse by leaders within the church, um, mostly of women. I've there's a few stories that have come out of. Um, men who've been abused sexually by pastors and assistant pastors and youth pastors and whatnot, but pageant leaders, pageant leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mostly, mostly it's, um, 
the its leaders taking advantage of people. So we're the re, okay. So let's back up a second. So this article came out, and some of the first stories that you hear are, you know, of of people who were in trusted situations getting alone in their office or in an area with with girls or young women and then sexually taking advantage of them. I've heard of this kind of thing um, to a lesser degree back when I was at Calvary Chapels. Uh, You'd have a pastor here and a pastor there taking advantage of a woman that they're counseling or something or... So I kind of want to stop you right there, not okay. to get you too off track, because we barely even started explaining what happened. Yeah. But when you said trusted leaders, like immediately it, it addresses what I think is part of the problem. Not that people trust their pastors, but one, I think that people trust their pastors too much. And I think that um, pastor, that. pastors trust themselves too much. Okay, define people pa- trusting their pastors Absolutely. too much first. Absolutely, I will. I think that we, because, and I'm going to use a very, very, very general we, like as in like people who attend churches here, can give pastors way too much credit. And I think we have put our children um, in, or even you know peers or spouses, whatever, in situations where there is a lack of accountability, where there could easily be a compromising situation, where we wouldn't put them in that situation with anybody else, but because it's a pastor, he gets a pass and he can be alone with my wife, he can be alone with my daughter in, you know, where whatever kind of office situation, whatever kind of hour, whether it's an overnight youth group trip or something like that, people give pastors passes in areas where they should not get passes. I think we, some of these men may have been uh, trustworthy up to this point. And we've talked about this before where, uh, and which gets into my second uh, point about pastors trusting themselves too much. If you put yourself in a compromising situation where you are relying on your self-control and your piety and your just ability to behave over and over and over again, you are setting yourself up for failure You think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this is not, I'm not trying to be one of those people who says this is the victim's fault. Certainly not. Do not hear that. No, no, no. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say it's the parent's fault either. No. What I am saying is this should be something that makes us aware and helps us not only protect our loved ones, but put ourselves in a situation to where we put accountability, where we put um, structures in place to where your pastor is not alone with a woman in areas where it could be an, something that causes him to behave in a way that he shouldn't. Um, I well, think we can... Can we put a peg in that and yeah. come back? Because what I, what I would like to do is get to specific examples towards the end of how we keep each other accountable, how we, how I've done it in the past. Yeah. And then talk maybe first broadly about what happened, what should happen. And then specifically about us. What do you think? Sure. Okay. I'm 
chomping. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. over the over the years, and you y- you can look. I would encourage anybody who listens to go to the Houston Chronicle website and just type in SBC or just Google Houston Chronicle SBC, and all of those recent articles are going to come up. And you'll be able to read all of the stories for yourself. We we can't do them justice. Re- please, please go and read them. Read those articles. Um, I, I found that one of the articles wouldn't come up because one of the go- protections I have is the search filter on my phone um, doesn't allow explicit content. And I couldn't read one of the articles because... It There's, probably said sex. It probably said, and that's that's fine. I'm yeah. so grateful for that protection for myself and, and our church in place. But um, anyways, go look it up, read the articles, read for yourself some of the stories. But what what's happened is oh, over the years, you know, one story comes out, then three stories, then seven, then 15, then, then 29. And then all of a sudden, you know, good investigative reporters realize, oh, there's a real problem here. And they start looking into it and finding out that sexual abuse has been going on. It isn't just the Catholic Church, although there's a massive difference between a celibate priesthood that is home to, I'm just going to say it, a lot of priests, and it isn't something hidden, it's something that's documented and out in the open, are are homosexuals and, and have preyed on younger men over the years in lots of different ways and lots of different forms. This is different than that in that this is um, men in capacities preying on younger women mostly. So while there, the specifics might be different, the sexual abuse still remains. And I'm not trying to minimize that there. We, we, we need to clean house. And um, if you look in that website, there is a database, and you can search. I think it's over 220 different pastors who have been accused and have been convicted and are either or have not been convicted but accused, and the statute of limitations has run out, and they are still in ministry positions. Uh, I just looked up California, and there's nine here in the state of California. One looks like they're in Sacramento, and I'm not sure where the rest are, but um, it's it's all over the country. You can just simply scroll through a state, pick your state, look it up, see who's there, and man, mark them out. Don't you don't want them anywhere near your church or your people. Um, but let, let's let, let me back up just a little bit more. Sexual abuse is something that's real and something that is absolutely awful. I I know people who've been sexually abused. I is not myself, but I know plenty of people who have. It is one of the absolute worst things in my mind that could happen within the church. What you got a big, big wow eyes there. I'm just looking at pictures of some of these dudes and you just look at them and you're like, how did you make it past the candidate like process? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Probably some of didn't. the some probably of, got raised up from within the church. Probably. And oh. and a, a, a lot of these take place in big churches, like the one you were talking about about the choir director. That was in Second Baptist in Houston, and that's one of the largest churches in America. You have Paige Patterson, who was one of the past presidents of the SBC, um, protecting one of his youth leaders and actually telling um, somebody in a conversation that he could change the girl's mind from coming forward because 
Um, she shouldn't come forward and, you know, accuse this youth pastor. And then that youth pastor went on to pastor at other churches and in both of those other churches made a mess um, through sexual abuse of people there in those churches. And there's other um, SBC pastors or and presidents who have covered up these sexual scandals. I think part of it is in smaller churches, uh, you just don't have the th the you know, you know these people, they're in and out, and you don't think, you think the best of them. You think, why do we need to put precautions in place in order to protect ourselves? We know these people, you know? I mean, for us, we're a small church, and it'd be real easy for us to think those kind of things. Um, you know, why do we need live scan in place? Well, we don't have that yet, but it's something that if we got any bigger and we did not, and we moved from family integrated to oh, yeah. any type of children's ministry, including just nursery, we would have to implement right away and not allow anybody to serve even in a nursery um, who hadn't been live scanned. And we could, you know, go back and see their criminal history and see who they are. I think having that in place is not only a, a good proactive measure, but it's a deterrent as well. If somebody comes in and, you know, they're there for five, six weeks and all of a sudden they're like, hey, I want to serve in the children's ministry, a normal small church would be like, oh, great. This guy wants to serve. How awesome, right? And in a church where you have precautions in place, you're going to say, okay, cool. That's great. You want to serve here. You have to go through these procedures and measures. And somebody who's a predator isn't going to stick around for that. Right. You know, they're going to bolt. And so it, it, it's a good deterrent and something we want to have in place. For us, well, thankfully, we have been family integrated up to this point, which means that the service that we have is everybody's in there. There's no Sunday school classrooms. There's no everybody going off into their own separate rooms. And eventually, I would think someday as we grow that we, we would move that direction and we would have to start putting things like this in place in our own church. Um, but for, for you and me, Brian, you know, what, one of the things that, that I've done over the years before you were here by my side is that every time I was ever alone with a woman in any way, normally, I mean, we didn't have texting back then. Right. <laughs> so I would either call my wife if I could and let her know, or as soon as I was finished in whatever situation I was in, I would immediately call my wife and let her know, hey, I was alone with this woman. It was, here's what happened. Had to give her a ride to this place. Or we were talking and then other people left the room and we were alone in the room together, you know, so that I, I there would never be any whiff of inappropriateness. Um, and I remember doing this even back in, in the youth group, um, we did honestly, I didn't know this till later, years later on, but there was, uh, in our Calvary Chapel here, a guy who had, um, been with a younger girl who was in the youth group and he was one of the youth leaders and it, it blew up, you know, the many, many, many years later, but, um, there weren't checks in place and this guy was allowed to be alone with this person. So I have tried aggressively to not allow myself to be put in those kind of positions where I could be accused and, or, you know, I could be weak and something could happen. I, I you know, I don't want to assume I'm better than that. Um, I, I want to make sure that 
I'm in a place where I'm accountable to my wife and accountable to you. I think there's been a couple of times where we've talked about instances where I've been with, you know, alone with somebody or Mm -hmm. tried to tell you, hey, here's what happened, just Mm -hmm. so you know, just to keep you in the loop so that there is never any, you know, weirdness or that kind of thing. But you know what? Here's when, when churches find out there's something going on, they need to do something right away, immediately. If the person's on staff and being paid, they immediately need to be fired. The police need to be called. They need to be, um, all, you know, it, it has to go through those channels immediately. You can't let that linger. You can't sit on it. You can't, for the sake of your homeboy, just, uh, you know, say, oh, well, let's just see how this plays out and let's not say anything until... You know, maybe it'll just blow over, which I, I think is what a lot of these pastors just thought would happen or allowed to happen or whatnot. We were just talking about that on Monday night when we're talking about, you know, Matthew 18 and church discipline and things like that. Um, you want to go slow. You want to show grace. You you want there to be an opportunity for people to repent. And not even, even if they try to blow you off, you want to give them an opportunity to consider um, the the rebuke, um, the exhortation that your church leadership has given them to please, please, this is what we see or how we see you sitting, turn from it. But in an instance like this, or where like the law has it's been criminal. broken, yeah, yeah, it's a completely different story. Yeah. This isn't like, hey, dude, you were a jerk the other day when we were talking after Bible study. No, this is completely different. And we've seen. Um, as these things play out, not just this time, but in you know instances in the past where the people who do not bring it to the authorities, they under end up being brought, dragged into the scandal, and sometimes can even reap um, you know legal issues on themselves. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you. So, somebody who has committed a sexual offense like this, are they damned? No. Um, so if they're not, then they repent and we should bring them back into church membership. Uh Should we bring them back into church membership? Yeah. They've repented? Yeah. Sure. Should we allow them to serve in the church? No, I know you're following me around the block. Yeah, 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 sorry. Should we allow them to serve serve in the church? In what capacity? Okay. That's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Ever with anybody who's a minor? No. Anybody in any way with women? No. Probably not, right? Yeah. So, I mean, not by yourself, but I mean, we shouldn't, I wouldn't right. want anyone to do that anyway. I, we already talked about that. Right. Um, does that mean you're not allowed to be in the room with one of the women from our church ever? Like, no. So that's what I mean. Like, I mean, I'm right. It's easy to say no, but practically speaking, like you're going to end up being around women if you serve in any capacity. Right. Um, so yeah, there's a big difference between forgiveness and restoration. There is. There's a big difference between forgiveness and restoration. And restoration is absolutely unilateral, no problem. Restoration um, doesn't mean you're back to restored to what you were doing before, Mm -mm. right? I mean, you're you. you, There are sins that are so egregious that you're just you're just out. Now, maybe that guy honestly could, you know. So there's a particular story in the in this series of articles where a guy was. If I remember right, he was 19, she was 17. He got in trouble. He repented. Now forever he's on uh, as a, listed as a sexual predator in the 
you know, that list, I forget what it's Megan's called. Law Megan's Law, yeah. yeah. So he's forever in that, but he's been married this whole time. And so he would you consider him being completely excluded from ministry? Pastoral ministry, I'm talking about. He was about. 19. That, the story was, if I remember the detail, he was 19, two years she was apart. 17, yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. No, I wouldn't think so. No, but somebody who was like 28 and committed serial offenses with a bunch of 14-year-olds, right. or even one 14-year-old out, right? Yeah. No more pastoral ministry. I mean, right? sure, that's that what, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what I want to say. And like, I can see how to somebody that can sound inconsistent. I almost hope it does sound inconsistent. If you don't think... Well, yeah. you have to take... You have to weigh the gravity of the crime and the sin and contrast that against the position of ministry. Because the greater position of ministry that person is in, the greater degree of evil has taken place. Because they have a greater degree of authority, they're standing in a place of the Lord. So this 19-year-old was not like... No, he was just like a youth leader, if I remember. Like, okay. not even like a pastor or anything. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so the, the greater responsibility you have means the greater responsibility you're going to bear if you blow it or if you sin or if you commit a crime and you, you, you assault somebody. Um, th- that needs to be taken into account. And if that's what happens, they, they have to be out, right? Yeah. They have to be. Well, and we, you know, we've had conversations where we see people who we even looked up to, not people in our own church, but uh, people who we looked up to from afar who have fallen into scandal and people who, like I said, we, we've listened to their preaching. We've read books, we've whatever, and they're not going to be back into ministry. Right. <clears throat> and they shouldn't be. Right. You know, the first Timothy five talks about that. If a elder or pastor, and I'm going to include, you know, youth pastor, associate, assisting pastors, you know, all those. Pageant um, director. Pra- pageant director. Yeah. I mean, if that guy's on staff as some kind of pastor of worship or music, then yeah. Um, if an elder is found guilty of sin um, and, a, the, and a crime on top of it, then, and it's in the mouth of two or three witnesses, then that elder, you know, Matthew 18 doesn't apply. He, he's he's exposed, it's public rebuke, and he's removed from his office so that the rest of the body may fear. So the, mess, the rest of the body may understand how serious both the pastor it is and how seriously God takes his word, his children, his people. And so we, I, I think we, we need to take that seriously. We, uh, you know, it's, it seems like there's a tendency in our circle, the SBC, to cover up um, and not, you know, take care of our own, you know, but in the wrong sense of it is you don't bring an accusation against another minister. Well, that's not what First Timothy says. Well, and, that's not what and, the Bible teaches. And to what end? Like, so are you afraid that it's going to sully the witness of your church or our denomination mm, or the question. reputation of Christ? Because guess what? You covering it up, you were found out anyway, and now it's a thousand times worse than it would have been if you had just brought it to light like you should have in the first place. Why do you think that is? I think that there are plenty of people, and we were talking about one earlier, 
who were probably very well intended. And like I said, they're worried about their church's witness and the witness of maybe them. Maybe you're the one who hired the guy and spoke up for him. Oh. Um, or like, like I said, a mafia thing. You're I just vouch a, for this guy. Well, <laughs> or people, you're a good pastor who made a bad hire. And which well, you should should be the single pastor making the sure, hire, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying. I, well, I'm sure it happens in a lot of these churches oh, yeah. where it is just one one pastor for sure. SBC churches, yeah, happens, yeah, 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 yeah. And you think that you're going to go down with this guy, and so like, oh, hey, you've been an idiot, but I'm going to bring you along, and we're going to fix this. Versus the whole church goes down in scandal. But again, the outcome ends up being worse. And the whole church goes down and scandal, and yeah. your hands are dirty. Not just because you know the guy and hired the guy, but you helped the guy. And uh, you know, I, that's I, like, a, oh, sorry, all the way up to where I think that people just want the church in general to have a good reputation. And definitely, this is all of these are my attempts at thinking the best of these people, which mm-hmm. you can tell is not thinking very highly of them. But uh, all the way up to just having the church's reputation as ambassadors of Jesus Christ not be sullied. Like, let's keep this in-house and, you know, maybe we're going to scold and chastise or, you know, even, um, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, kick this guy out or something like that. I don't know why I can't think of the word I was trying to think of. Excommunicate? Yeah, I was trying to think of a more colloquial word for excommunicate. I'm ostracize. Erudite. I'm erudite. I was trying to think ostracize. of ostracize this guy. Uh, so that none of these unbelievers in our community can point to us and say, see, see what the church is really like, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But now the, but whole now the world Houston is Chronicle going. is pointed to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The, you know, that's, that's the way sin always is. Mm-hmm. That you, you commit a sin and you, you want to cover it up. You want to hide it. You, you want to sweep it under the rug and other people want to come alongside and do that with you. It's always worse in the long run. It's always better to confess to, you know, with, with whatever it is, you know, whether it's something with my wife or my kids or you or anybody else in the congregation. Of course, when I sin, there's a tendency where I don't want to go and acknowledge it and ask for forgiveness and repent. And, and I can justify it. Well, you know, I'm the pastor. I, you know, that guy should just understand, you know, me it, when I have a bad attitude towards him or something like that. No, I, I, I need to be the first and the most aggressive in my going and trying to reconcile with people. And in doing that, what we want to do is foster within our church, I'm speaking specifically of Sovereign Joy, but in our churches, I'll add, we should want to foster an attitude of humility and forgiveness, and that's going to come when we're quick to repent, when we're quick to you know, seek forgiveness. If I, I totally think if there was a attitude of quick to repent, you know, these, these guys, they got in a situation one time where they were in a compromising situation and maybe they made a, you know, a bad decision and they grabbed a girl's hand or they, you know, reached out, kissed her. I don't know what it is, but at that point, that should have been the point where it was like, this is wrong. This is sin. Go to your pastor right now, confess, repent, step down, you know, the, the pastor deals with it, goes to the family, says, here's what happened. He, we, we removed him or he stepped down. You see, the oh, it gets handled so much better 
and Christ is exalted in the end because holiness is sought. Or the very first time somebody finds out something that one of these guys did, they should immediately be fired. Immediately, the police are called and brought in, and you stand by the victim. You, you don't try to intimidate them and bully them into silence. You go to them and you, you plead for their forgiveness on behalf of the church, and you try to reconcile with them and, and make things right because, you know, we want to be a holy body. We don't want to be ones who are hiding sin and sweeping it under the rug and and especially with this, God, I'm so angry. It, the abuse is so bad, it's gonna, it messes people up for the rest of their lives. It, 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 it's, it's so awful. It's so bad. It, it's, it just makes me crazy. I, the, the, I, I don't, in my mind, think it's um, over the top to have people who've committed sexual assaults against, um, whether it's boys or girls or women or whatever, to, for them to be castrated into the, you know, I'm, I totally get that. It's in my mind, it's so bad. We need to protect the dignity and the worth of the people who've been sinned against. We absolutely have to, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I know I'm preaching the choir. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't see, but I've just got my arms crossed and I've just kind of got this like, let's half smirk on my face. Like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right. We're, we're ready to, yeah, yeah. The fact, like, people don't realize, don't acknowledge, I should say, how bad they really are in the first place. I think that's why we have the approach and the attitude when it comes to uh, what a healthy church leadership looks like, functions like, things like that, is because we know that we are like we're 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 wicked <laughs> we just yeah, are yeah and so how do, how do you expect a partially sanctified at best person to behave uh how much rope are you going to give that person when it comes to how they behave with your loved ones the other people in the church like we're we are responsible for shepherding these people and they and they do come in with this level of trust that exceeds honestly our ability <laughs> and definitely exceeds um our hearts if we're honest if we're honest and i think some of the best things that we've done is told our congregation over and over and over again like we will let you down like we are just as as sick and and bad as you are but i love your example like i'm just the guy who's been in the hospital a little bit longer mm. and i think that these guys did not have that approach when they got into ministry and if they were well intentioned i mean some of them may have just been straight up predators i'm sure some were for sure for sure but i those I'm, guys in california look like predators dude it's bad <laughs> yeah. it's real bad yeah. like i want to yeah don't even get me started yeah but uh these well-intentioned guys you i really doubt that they came into this ministry thinking i am a sinner who's desperately in need of grace every day i need to lean on the mercy 
of my father to get me through and to lean on that spirit to help me minister to these people and just recognize my need daily for the gospel and for grace. Mm. If you go in with that mindset, knowing like, Lord, just help me to, to be more like you, to help me to recognize my need of my savior for my need of the righteousness of Christ and on and on and on preaching the gospel to yourself daily and your insufficiency. Like you, you just don't end up in these situations. Yeah, you don't. So practically speaking, I think first and foremost is that we need to be influenced by the gospel. And um, the, exactly like you just said. Second, I, we, we as a church, Brian and I as elders in a Southern Baptist church, we call on the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention to repent and to do something about this. I know we're a collective of autonomous churches, and supposedly our church autonomy forbids us from doing something. That's crap. We, you can do something. We can create a database. We can talk with our own and say, no, we're not going to allow this anymore. If anybody is a sexual predator, here's a list of all the people who we can find in the Southern Baptist Convention who have been in positions. Don't hire them. Don't encourage them. Don't allow them near your people. We, we need something like that. That doesn't exist. That's why the Houston Chronicle is putting this thing together. We need to call sin for what it is. We need to stand up. And if there's churches that are continuing this attitude of um, clandestine keeping these things a secret, they need to be removed from the Southern Baptist Convention, no matter their size. If there's cultures in seminaries and Bible colleges in our convention, they need to be addressed and they need to be uh, ostracized or they need to be removed if they refuse to, I mean, this needs to be, somebody needs to go at this with a machete. And J.D. Greer is our president. He needs to go at this with a machete right now. Major League Baseball has done a better job cracking down on steroids than the SBC has on cracking down on sexual abuse. And if that's not an indictment, right. I don't know what is. Right. Well, It's it, embarrassing. It is. It is. But you know what? I pray that this is a wake-up call. I pray that this is something that, you know, we have a guy for all intents and purposes. J.D. Greer is a good guy. I, I don't know. Of course, I don't know him. I never met the guy. But, I, you know, I've never read anything you know, thoroughly scandalous about him. Um, we, we might have different theological views. But, man, step up. Do something. Now, for us as a local association, I would hope, you know, that, that we could talk about this within all the context of our 33 churches that have cooperated together. And I mean to bring it up next time I go and I'm around some guys and say, so what are we doing about this? How do we know we don't have predators here in our midst? And then even down to our local church, for us at Sovereign Joy, um, we want to make sure that we're, you know, have all hands on deck and making sure that we don't um, provide an opportunity for our people to be abused and our people to become victims. Now, having said that, I know there's people listening to this who've been sexually abused. I haven't. I don't think you have, right? Oh. I mean, so I, but but I do know people you know, who are really close to me who have, and I know people listening to this have. So, our, what is our word to them, Brian? I think first and foremost, we want to say we love you. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. 
even if it wasn't in the context of a church, even if it wasn't in the context of a, anything that we're even remotely associated with, we still want to acknowledge the awful trauma that that sin is, right? Yeah. Uh, well, and just that, I mean, you, you have hope. I mean, you and I long for the day when we get to be with Jesus. We are in a fallen and broken world where even in the church, you at times have to look over your shoulder and you have hope that not only are we not going to have to look over our shoulder in heaven, but that uh, your body will be made whole mm. and, and to your look mind, your spirit, your all soul, of it. emotions. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Because these people underwent physical, mental, emotional, yeah. spiritual trauma. Yeah. And so no matter how social, like no matter how you shake down somebody's well-being, an event like this is going to rock them. And, and I, I don't see how it doesn't do it to some degree permanently. Right. And I don't want to give false hope that there's some kind of program, some kind of book you can read or podcast you can listen to or some kind of therapy that's out there that's going to make you whole again this side of heaven. But you do have that hope. Right. Christ can, and the gospel can. It's, it's not a promise that he will in this life, he, but he certainly can. I, you know, like I said, I know people who have gone through, and sometimes, you know, it's, it, they are pretty much able to be over it until something like this comes up again, and right. then all of a sudden those feelings and emotions are, you know, resuscitated. But uh, what we want to do is we want to foster a place where people can experience healing, um, where where they know it isn't their fault, where we love them in the midst of what they went through, and we're here to help, not to perpetuate the problem like it seems like is happening in so many churches. Well, and, and also, as you're talking, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying like you're damaged goods forever now. That's not exact. That's not what. Not exactly. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I would also encourage you that that, like you said, like Christ can make you whole, and and that just because we're not going to see full restoration, just because we're not going to see um, ourselves become fully sanctified, this side of heaven doesn't mean that it's not a road worth going down. Right. Oh, it totally is. <laughs> it's <laughs> that, worth going down. And if it's a, if it's a fight and a slog going down that road, we're with you. Yeah. That's what I was more yeah. trying to get at is if you find yourself walking with a limp for the rest of your life, that's okay. It's, it's not only okay. It's as fallen Christians, it's the way it's going to be in one way or another. Yeah. I mean, we're going to limp differently, but, um, it, it's 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 a real problem when we think our churches are going to be perfect, and I think that's one of the uh, that kind of expectation leads to this kind of cover up. Is you we have to have a perfect church? Everything is perfect. Everything's right. No, it, we're messy people. Spirituality is messy. We we should allow for that and be okay with the mess. And by being okay, don't misunderstand me. I'm not. Everybody heard what I said. I they know I'm not. <laughs> advocating for some kind of um, accept, re-acceptance of these pe- pedophiles or whatever. Um, no, they need to go away for a long time. But 
What we do want to do is those people who have been traumatized and victims know the gospel is for you too, and we love you, and we want you to know there's a place for you, and there is healing to be had and hope to be found in Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could talk for another, like, 20, 30 minutes about this, (laughs) so... I'm just going to get madder, so I probably... (laughs) I'm starting to get rambly the longer we go on, yeah. 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 Well... Do you want a question of the day? <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Oh, I should have looked this up ahead of time. I'm an idiot. Here. What was the first band you were ever really, really into? And do you still like them? First. Mine is Duran Duran. I was super into Duran Duran. I had little buttons of Duran Duran. I had all their records, tapes, cassette tapes of Duran Duran, sang their songs. I had book covers because you had to cover your books back in oh, when yeah. I was a kid. Book and covers, book covers. Yes. Yep, Duran Duran book covers. Had Duran Duran folders. Had Duran Duran. It wasn't a trapper keeper, but it was like that. I was really into Duran Duran. How old were you? Fourth, fifth, sixth grade-ish? Mm-hmm. Fifth, mm-hmm. sixth grade, maybe? Fourth, fifth, sixth, I think, is when I started really getting into music. 1983 to 82, 1982, so I was nine. So how old is, what grade is that? Probably so third or fourth. Third or fourth grade, yeah. okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to stay true to the question. What, I didn't? And go with, no, 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 and go with the first band. yeah. There's like some artists when being a kid and different stuff that I could go with. The first band that I was really into was Ravi, huh? Huh? That little kid's song guy, Ravi? I don't even know who that is. Oh. I'm going to go with Goldfinger. I don't even know that. Goldfinger, they kind of started as a ska band uh-huh. and they were then they went through like this kind of punk alternative type like phase. Anyway, they were on the first Tony Hawk's Pro Skater oh. like soundtrack, <laughs> and I just like got into uh, yeah, I did deep dive and ended up like running their discography for a while. Oh, okay, that was in sixth or seventh grade, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was the first band that yeah. I was like really into. Yeah, mine was for sure Duran Duran, and then I moved on from there. But yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But all right. So, who was the first band that you were really into? Do you still like them? And do you still like them? I do still like them. They've come through a lot of member changes over the years. And now, like, a dude from MXPX is in Goldfinger, and another dude from Story of the Year is in Goldfinger. They've, they're like this, like, like an all-star team, but, like, are they really but that like good? But like the all-stars of yesteryear. Yeah. Are they really that good? No. No. <laughs> no. But they're just like this hodgepodge of all these bands that I used to listen to, and now they're like one yeah. band, but they're still called Goldfinger. Duran Duran is purely nostalgia for me. So if I'm listening to the radio and Hungry Like the Wolf or the Reflex comes on, yeah, I'll, I'll turn it up a notch and sing along maybe. But it, it's nothing that I – they're not anybody I go and – listen to you yeah. know like i don't have a spotify playlist of render any that's me and my music same yeah. thing yeah sweet sweet 
All right. I'll be honest. That was heavy, and I don't really exactly know how to wrap it up, as you can tell by now. So I will just sign off like we always do. Remember, we believe you belong. <laughs>